Welcome to Tiger Paw Radio, the podcast that tackles all the challenges and opportunities of channel convergence. If you provide managed IT, managed print, VoIP, security, or other technology-driven services for your customers, this podcast is for you. Tiger Paw Radio, exploring channel convergence, one stripe at a time. Well, hello everybody, Wes McDonald here, and I want to thank you for tuning in to another episode of TigerTube. And if you can't see us, if you're listening in, that means you're listening on Tiger Paw Radio. So thank you very much. Don't forget uh, to subscribe below. And if you like what you see today, please make sure to share that content. It helps us to continue to deliver our education and, and messaging to the masses. So thank you very much for that. Uh, very excited about uh, today's interview. If, uh, if you've been sleeping under a rock, you may not have heard. Uh, there have been some progresses uh, lately in artificial intelligence, which are having a pretty big impact on a lot of uh, different verticals and industries. And uh, our guests today, Bob Johansson and Jeremy uh, Kirschbaum, I want to thank you for joining us. And it's not AI that you're necessarily experts in, but you are using AI in something which I found absolutely uh, incredible uh, with relation to one of the books that you're doing. So without further ado, um, I'll get you to introduce yourselves for our guests because nobody knows you better than yourself. So Bob, let's start with you. Great, good to be with you, West. Uh, I'm Bob Johansson. Um, I'm the lead author of a new book called Office Shock, which is really about a lot more than offices. It's yeah. about uh, not only the office buildings, but what we call officing, the process, the ways we work together, and the office verse, which is that archipelago of possibilities that's out there. Um, and we're exploring this space as futurists. We're we're future back. I'm based at Institute for the Future in Silicon Valley. It's the longest running futures think tank in the world. So we're here to talk about the future of work. I love it. Well, thank you very much. And uh, that's exactly what our channel needs. And uh, Jeremy, how about yourself? Yeah. Uh, hi. Um, I'm the founder of uh, Handshake Consulting. Um, we've been helping people track, uh, strategize, and build around AI since back before GPT-2. And uh, we're currently running the Mastering Generative AI Bootcamp um, on the Maven platform. And we've been very excited to partner with uh, Bob and the OfficeShock authors um, around this content. It's been very exciting. Well, I love it. And that's one of the things, uh, Bob, you and I have spoken before, and I actually got a sneak peek at what you are doing with the AI integration, you know, with the book as well, right? So pretty excited about that. So first of all, uh, maybe you can share with me what the inspiration was to actually write off the shock. And then secondly, how you decided uh, that AI was a good place to do some integration. Great. Um, so during the crisis, the COVID-19 crisis, we were approached by a furniture manufacturer in Europe, USM, uh, their CEO uh, reached out to me and said, you know, Bob, how can we start a new conversation about the future of how we work, how we used to work in offices, how we could work in hubs and more distributed kinds of ways. And, you know, I'd done uh, 12 books before. I've been a futurist for a long time. Um, I'm a social science PhD to begin with, uh, looking at the impact of technology on, on society. And as a writer, I'm realizing that if I'm gonna still be writing great books 10 years from now, I'm gonna to have to be augmented. <laughs> so it isn't it isn't just me studying this stuff, it's I gotta to learn to do it myself. So as we were creating this 
framework, we call it the seven spectrums of choice around how, where, when, and even why, even why we work. As we were creating those seven spectrums of choice, I reached out to Jeremy and he and I have worked together for a long time uh, and asked him to help me do a chapter, which we're calling the spectrum of augmentation. And we already have, I have two co-authors on this book, one Joseph Press, who's a workplace architect by training, and the other Christine Bullen, who's an information sciences professor. Um, and so we're bringing in the architecture, the tech, and, and Jeremy brings us this kind of applied generative AI that we wanted to experiment with. So we used it as we wrote the book, but then of course, and Jeremy should explain this uh, to go deeper, then we realized that with chat GPT, we could go a whole other level. So we've created a chat bot, really a, a book bot <laughs> that knows the comment, the content of Office Shock. And we've brought that into our conversation now. Yeah, this is very exciting for me on, on many levels, right? And, you know, as we had talked about before, the, uh, uh, the managed services channel, uh, those that are uh, doing managed technology solutions for customers have typically uh, been managing things for their customers, right? Uh, if that thing is a <laughs> server or a desktop or a printer or, or what have you. And that there's been this paradigm shift where those things are now, you know, predominantly existing in the cloud. And the full impact of that has not been realized yet, um, but it certainly will be. What I love about what you've done is you've proven a lesson as an author, as someone who has written a book uh, to help people to move through this by integrating uh, the AI into this as well, right? There's a, a book, I'm not sure if uh, either of you have read the uh, Patrick O'Brien, he's a historical, uh, basically mm -hmm. fictionalist and uh, very, very heavy in a lot of the words from the time period. And so there's a book you can actually get, uh, which is, they call it a sea of words, which is a compendium to be able to help you mm -hmm. reference what's going on on that book. You've done that with AI to be able to help people right. that journey through your book, you know, in AI, which I think is absolutely it's a, it's a brilliant next step. So, so Jeremy, I did have a peek at it before. Maybe you can actually walk us through this a little bit, right? So, as and uh, certainly, I'll make sure that the link is in there for everyone to be able to access the book. Um, but as they're accessing the book and being able to use the AI, maybe you can step us through a couple of examples of how that works. Yeah, sure. Um... So this is part of our continuing research and exploration into the future of communication and work and the future of how services will be run for folks. It's very much an early experiment, but in the next couple of years, a lot of knowledge will have some kind of interactive interface with this. People will want to run things like GPT-3, but do it on their own data because um, that's not on the public internet. It doesn't know about what they want to know about, but they want the generative capability. So we put a layer on top of GPT-3 that allows it to access the book, basically by taking your question, searching for the parts of the book or other information we put in that are relevant to the question, and then handing that to GPT-3 before it answers. So it kind of gets to cheat a little bit, but still give you new answers that are synthesized and are uh, not simply just regurgitating the book. So it's a balance there. Ours is deliberately conservative, if you ask it about what's the what's the future uh, role of dogs in the office, there's not a chapter about that in the book. So it'll say, I don't know. That was a design decision we made to prevent any kind of misuse. Um, you can easily make one where it will speculate on that. <laughs> <laughs> um, but what this does do is allows it to know about 
what is an office first? What is officing? What are the different spectrums? Um, and that kind of thing. Well, I love that. Maybe you can uh, uh, walk us through an example, and I'll be in, uh, I'll be sure to include some screen footage from that. Uh, so maybe a question is is just that, right? Um, what is the office first, and why should I care? According to the uh, Talk with Office Shock book bot, uh, the office first is a multi-sensory and multimedia place for collaboration that provides a way to look at the span of choices available between working in an office building and working in the office first. It has the potential to enrich office work, enhance interactions, and expand professional and social connections, while also disrupting many of today's organizational models. Now, I should check with Bob. Bob, does that match your understanding of the office first? Would you agree with that? Because it can say things that Bob and the authors would disagree with. <laughs> right. Yeah. And I've, I've been using this for about a week now. It's been out for about a week. And I find that it does sound kind of like me. It's a little more formal. It speaks in longer sentences than I write. Um, it isn't quite as colorful as the way that I try to speak, but there have been definitely occasions where it said something better than I had. And I actually started using that to revise my speech, but that is accurate the way that it, um, but it's, but I would say that the, this particular response is kind of boring, a little more boring than I try to speak. Um, but sometimes the chatbot is more colorful than I am. So it, it has that that flavor and you can ask it the same question two different times and you can get two different answers. Yeah, and, and I love this though, the fact that you actually are using your own data, right? And I think this is a is a bigger a bigger picture that people really need to think about is all of the, I guess, both qualitative and quantitative data that they have in-house and how, to, how they can actually be able to better help their customers, right? And it, when I listened to that answer, you know, Jeremy, it totally made sense to me. It's like, I have a better understanding of what the office first is, right? Uh, working within the office versus the office kind of being uh, something that's a little more ethereal that could necessarily be in that one location, right? And the fact that I need to care about it because of the technologies that are changing the way that people work, how that's going to happen in the future. When I listen to that answer, I'm like, I want to know more about that. I want to read that book. That's why I want to care. <laughs> yeah, it's absolutely fascinating, right? Well, I appreciate that. And uh, Jeremy, earlier before uh, the call, we actually talked a little bit too about the fact that, and and Bob, you mentioned that it doesn't sound entirely like you, right? Uh, Jeremy, one of the things that you mentioned is that people are wondering when they invented flight, it's like, well, when are we, when are we finally going to be able to teach airplanes to fly like birds? And I think the answer is we probably don't, right? That the idea <laughs> of flight, uh, although it is a, a version of something that we've been inspired by, I think sometimes those conversations in the chat can be the same thing, right? That it may not be exactly Bob, but the core of that content, just like the ability to fly, even if it's not just like a bird, it's delivering on what it should. Yeah, definitely. And I think the question isn't, when is this going to be able to talk exactly like Bob? The question is, what can this do that Bob can't do? Um, how could we push it in the direction of going both in a different direction than Bob would ever go and much better at that direction so that Bob can focus on being Bob and Joseph and Christine can focus on being them. And then this does things that we wouldn't be able to. I mean, one thing this does, though, is that if I want to talk to Bob and it's 3 a.m., um, he might pick up the phone uh, out of worry that I'm calling at 3 a.m., but I probably wouldn't be able to ask him about office shock at that time. However, the book bot is always on. It's always there to do coaching and always there to give answers on this kind of thing if you're in a different time zone, for instance. so. There's all kinds of affordances. And for managed service providers, I think there's so many different elements here about 
you know, are clients going to shift really hard towards wanting to use APIs? You know, how do you help service these models? How do you help store the data? How do you help people understand what they can and can't do? Um, that there's just going to be a flood of, of that kind of question and that kind of need coming into the field. So it's an early experience to help people think about that kind of thing. Yeah, I like how you So Jeremy, that. can can you can you follow up Jeremy with the tractor metaphor? You mentioned the bird, but I really like how you talk about tractors. Yeah, um uh, so many different analogies for different facets of this, but I think when we're thinking about work and the future of work in industry, I like to think about a tractor in that if you're uh, a farmer with a hoe, if someone has invented a tractor, you're not necessarily out of a job, but you do need to learn how to drive a tractor right now. Um, and if you're not gonna be making your own tractors, you should start thinking about whose tractor you're gonna be driving. Um, and I think that metaphor is pretty extensible in that it's a new skill, but um, it does, there, was a big decrease in the number of farms when tractors were invented and some farmers did lose their jobs so i think that's unfortunately a part of this but a feature of it is that if you don't know how to farm a tractor is not going to help you <laughs> you can send a tractor all day <laughs> and that's what's still true with chat gpt if you don't know about offices in the future of work already you can ask chat gpt but you have no idea whether that answer is correct so we are going to see a flood of people parroting, you know, not very good content. You still need an expert guiding it. But if you are an expert in something already, this is a big amplifier for how fast and big yeah. you can do that thing that you're already good at. Yeah, I like this idea of augmentation, right? And that's really what tractors and other technologies have done is that they've allowed us to do things in different scales, right? So, yes, uh, as you mentioned, uh, certainly there were some farmers that, you know, were out of work because of the invention of the traction, but I'd argue that there were a lot of farmers that actually were able to make a lot more money um, and put their kids through college than probably they were before, right? Whereas less of a cottage industry, and we, we started to learn more about these efficiencies of scale. And further, we were able to feed more people, right? That there were a lot of benefits that came, you know, kind of along with that, with that augmentation. And, and Bob, when we talk about augmentation and we talk about kind of this idea of the seven spectrums of choice, right? Maybe walk our, you know, the folks that are gonna be looking at your book through this little bit. How is that going to help them as an MSP or an IT service provider as they start to look at some of these paradigm shifts that might be coming? Sure. So the, the quick overview, we're thinking future back about the future of work. Um, and what we've realized is there's a very clear direction of change. And we're not here to predict the future. Nobody can do that. We're not here to tell you what to do. We're here to make you to help you make smarter choices. So what we found when we began the book is a lot of people were asking the core question, when can we go back to the office? <laughs> and for some executives, they're still stuck on that one. <laughs> yep. And this is about a lot more than offices. So what we say is, well, that's a good question. But after we did two years of research, it's number six out of seven spectrums of choice. And these are in order. So the first question you should always ask is, why an office at all? And there are some good answers to that question, but it should be a question asked, not an assumption made. Then the second question is, what are the outcomes you're seeking from the office? And not only the office, but the officing and the office first. Then the most important um, outcome measure, we think as futurists over the next decade is gonna to link to climate. So it's all about climate impacts. 
the four spectrum of choice is belonging. How do you create a culture of belonging, a culture of inclusion, a culture of increased equity in this increasingly distributed world? Then we ask the question of augmentation, which is mostly what we're talking about in this podcast, is how can we extend human? And notice we don't use the word artificial intelligence. That That is, to me, the worst word to describe <laughs> an emerging technology that I've ever studied in my long career. And if they would have called it augmented intelligence to begin with, the whole field of symbolic computing would have gone much faster. So the question we're asking is how can we augment human abilities. And I like Tom Malone at MIT. He uses the, the term superminds. How can we create superminds that allow humans and computers to do things together that have never been done before? Um, then we get to time and place, and it's a spectrum from buildings to office verse. And finally, we ask agility. How do you balance all this together? We just did a podcast this morning on LinkedIn Live with a professor of leadership, Chuck Allen, from the US Army War College. And it was all about agility. You know, how do we tie all these spectrums together to face what the War College calls the VUCA world, you know, volatile, uncertain, complex, and ambiguous. And these tools of distributed work give us new ways, new ways of doing that. I love it. And hey, I'm wondering, uh, Jeremy, it just kind of struck me there. I wonder if you could type into the, uh, you know, to the chat bot. Uh, basically how uh, OfficeShock um, uh, answers the, the question of supporting uh, diversity and inclusion. I think that'd be kind of fascinating. And while we're waiting for that answer to pop up, um, Bob, when you talk about this idea of, of agility, right? I like the reference to the, uh, to the military, very flexible organization, uh, yet that has very uh, definitive sort of mission, you know, statements and objectives when they're going into the battlefield, right? Is that something that people have to look at more in the future? Is that ability to uh, be more flexible, to be more agile? Definitely right. So what we talk about in the book and the agility chapter is to win in the VUCA world, you have to be very clear about your purpose, about your direction, but very flexible about execution. And you can't. You can't be certain, you cannot be certain. So you've gotta be prepared for that high uncertainty. And the way to win the strategy is great clarity of direction, great flexibility about execution. We call it flexive intent in the book. Ah, I like it. And uh, Jeremy, what did uh, the augmented intelligence come back with? Yeah, I asked a uh, talk with OfficeShock, how should we support diversity and inclusion in offices? And it answered, offices should support diversity and inclusion by embracing varied cultures and thinking styles, celebrating personal roots and routes, augmenting human intelligence with computers, and expressing and appreciating differences without deference. I love Bob, that. What do you think of that? Is are those are those uh, word? Does that word play the roots and routes and differences? I was going to say that's powerful. I love, I love the roots and routes. Yeah, that's that is definitely powerful. The roots and routes is a retrieval. Um, that's one of our colleagues, Gabe Cervantes, talks about your roots, R O O T S, your mm -hmm. kind of family roots or generic or ethnic roots or racial roots, uh, gender roots. Uh, he also talks about R O U T E S, the roots you've followed to get to where you are. So that part was retrieval. The generative AI was the phrase right at the end. Can you repeat that? Journey. Differences without deference. 
Yeah, I, I really like that. Differences. <laughs> now, I never, I never said that, but that's more colorful and I really like it. It's a nice way of saying something that's, that's better than I could have done. I love it. And, uh, you know, for those out there, I think we should have a T-shirt uh, made up, uh, Roots and Routes, right? Because Im immediately <laughs> the, the image I have in my mind of that is how, how important our past is to kind of anchor us, but how the routes that we take are the important things nice. that define us, right? Love nice. it. Wow. Well, that's really cool. I appreciate both of you uh, uh, entertaining me on that, uh, on that one. <laughs> hey, um, when you talk about, let's talk a little bit just about the concept of future back. Right, that oftentimes when we're working with business leaders, um, MSPs and IT services providers looking at what will the, the future be for me, they often, you know, kind of put together a five year plan, right? But what if we don't know yeah. what it looks like five years from now? How does future back yeah. help with that? So, planning is very different from strategic foresight, but they fit together. So, when you're doing a five year plan, you're thinking from the present forward present forward. Uh, and if you're a good strategic planner, you're actually looking back as well, uh, that you're looking at history and patterns and you're thinking. Um, and the horizon model that I think McKinsey developed first was there's horizon one, horizon two, horizon three. Horizon one is the now, horizon two is the next two or three years, the next, and horizon three is the future. And it's usually not more than five with most businesses. Occasionally, it's uh, 10. And very occasionally, it's more than 10. What we say is that in a VUCA world, with all this uncertainty, if you think future back, you can find your clarity by looking 10 or more years out and saying, what can you say with some clarity? So for example, in our world in Silicon Valley, it's very clear 10 years from now, we're gonna have sensors everywhere. They're gonna be very cheap. Many of them are gonna be connected and some of them will be in our bodies. You know, Probably half of your listeners now have some kind of body sensor on. 10 years from now, listening to a podcast like this, whatever we call it, um, everybody will have body sensors that wants them and half of us will have embedded body sensors. You know, That's just obvious. What's not obvious is how do we get from here to there? So what we say is the horizon model works great in stable times, but if you wanna use it in the VUCA world, reverse the order, do horizon three first, uh, then horizon two, then horizon one. And you do have to do plans. You do have to do present forward, but precede that plan by thinking future back. And we also say, if you look 10 years ahead, future back, you should look at least 50 years back. So in the book, we look 50 years back at the future of video conferencing, the future of computing, the future of various digital tools. And we were really lucky with this pandemic that the tools we had were good enough that it was remarkable. You had a lot of office workers with no training and no real preparation for this who were able to perform pretty well, be pretty productive, office workers without offices. <laughs> now that's pretty amazing. So 10 years from now, it's very clear these tools are gonna get dramatically better. And that's the opportunity we have to reimagine how we work. You just made it so clear for me and hopefully for our listeners and viewers as well, that there are certain things about the future that we can have with certainty, even 10 years yeah. out. Yeah, and the whole sensors idea was one, right? That we've seen so much progress in that already of uh, wearing a smartwatch on my wrist here as well. I think most people are uh, for measuring heart rate levels, 
uh, oxygen levels, all those kind of things. So just imagine 10 years from now. And I would certainly encourage uh, those that are watching and listening in today to really think about that. Get your hands on the book and start to figure out how you can actually do your own future back, you know, planning in the future, right? And listen, in respect for your time, I think we have one more question we can ask uh, the augmented intelligence to help us uh, further with the book. And maybe that question will be, um, what is future back and why should I care? And I should say, as Jeremy's uh, asking and, and will be telling us what our chatbot says, uh, that the book is structured. So there's part three is geared toward individuals to help you make choices about where, when, how, and why you work. Part three also has a strong chapter about organizations. And it also has a last chapter about communities and policymakers and elected officials. So it, it's important to realize that this, this office shock opportunity that's opened uh, is very relevant to individuals, also to organizations, also to communities. I love it. And Jeremy, it looks like you might have an answer ready. Yeah, according to the talk with office shock bot, Future back thinking is a mindset shift from present forward thinking to thinking backwards from the future. It helps to reduce the cone of uncertainty and develop clarity and moderate certainty. Thinking future back can help people develop their own zones of clarity and plan for the future, such as with retirement planning. Bob, I know you definitely wouldn't have had uh, three ands in a sentence in a row. Uh, besides that, is there anything else that you would you would build on there? Uh, it it was good. I, I I think actually it did pick up three core ideas from the book, including we got a pretty long example about financial planning as being a way for anybody to understand the value of thinking future back. So I, I thought it did a good job. That one wasn't quite as clever in terms of the language. And and you're right, I like short sentences and the chatbot tends to like long sentences. And I did uh, write that down though, to reduce the cone of uncertainty, which I love. So was that actually grabbed yeah. from the book? Yeah, so that is a grab from the book, and it's part of the futurist language, uh, which our job as futurists is to reduce the cone of uncertainty. Yeah, I, I also like uh, the idea that it actually did reference uh, this idea of retirement, right? Because if you're looking to the future, that's certainly one of the things that have you'd have to be considered. Right, and 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 you can add to that. Think about those seven spectrums of choice. So, for example, given where we are in terms of climate impacts, uh, you should not only be asking if you're going to sell your business, but what will the impacts of your business be? Uh, and we all need to be asking that question because, you know, we're we're not a social action group, so we're not advocating any particular future. We're just humble futurists looking future back. And we did our first study of climate change in 1977, <laughs> 1977. So it's been a long time coming, but I, I think all of us now, as we think future back, have to face up to those choices. So that spectrum goes from net zero, which seems to be a minimum, to regenerative. And our, our officing has to generate positive, not just reduce negative. Well, listen, I cannot thank you both enough for uh, your time today. In respect for both your time and that of our audience and our and our listeners, uh, I cannot thank you enough. What is the best way for them to get in touch with you uh, so that they can get their hands on uh, the book as well? So the Institute for the Future website is the best place to go. And we have a microsite on there for the Office Shock book. So it's iftf.org for Institute for the Future or just Office Shock 
www.ncnonprofit.org. We're an independent nonprofit, so most of our things become public one way or another, and this is a way to do it. Uh, we shared the link for the chatbot. We hope you'll buy the book, you'll apply it, you'll make yourself a better future. Absolutely. And for everyone that's taken the time to watch and listen in today, thank you very much. Don't forget to subscribe. And if you like this episode, make sure you share it. And until next time, as always, keep learning. And so we come to the end of another exciting episode of Tiger Paw Radio. If you'd like to listen to more great learning content to help you grow your business, please be sure to visit www.tigerpaw.com and click on the resources tab. You can also subscribe to your favorite podcast platforms to be sure you never miss another episode. And until next time, keep learning, keep growing, and keep that inner tiger strong.